Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Did you ever ever see someone experience success and then become less? During high school, I worked in a grocery store, and there was a uh, the manager left. I can't remember why, whether he moved to another job, whatever. But the, the assistant manager, who up until that time had been a nice guy, became interim manager. Interim manager. It was like I never even knew the guy. He went on a power trip. Uh, I'll never forget the Saturday morning, because I worked Saturdays, uh, and... And we, we, I got there a half hour early, 8.30 a.m., like all the staff were, that we were all lined up waiting, and no one was there to unlock the door. Finally, the interim manager, formerly assistant manager, strutted up, and I thought for sure he'd say, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I'm you know, supposed to set the example. Here I am late. No, just strutted up as if he owned the place, you know. Unlock the door and let us in. Like, it's like he experienced success, interim success, <laughs> as it turned out, and he became less. And it's not just in positions that we have. Esther, you'll remember the people in Edmonton, you'll know who I'm talking about fairly quickly here who wanted to have a baby so desperately, and they couldn't have children. They tried medically different things, and and we prayed with them. And finally, they said, what about adoption? And we prayed with them about that, and I got involved with an adoption agency, and one adoption fell through, and it was such a crisis, but they rallied, and they said, we'll just keep praying for the right child for us to raise in the world, and... I'll never forget that day. You and I had that little precious baby along with a letter from the birth mom and we went into their home and, and they finally had their little baby. And uh, they'd been faithful volunteers in the church musically for years. But we started to notice that we wouldn't see them that much and finally we didn't see them at all. It's like we, ha- we got our prayer answered that we were so desperate for, and it's like, later dudes and dudesses, later church, later Lord. It's not an unusual scenario, is it? Trouble or tragedy, when we're desperate for a job or for an answer to prayer, or we have a health need or someone we love is sick, we have a family need, then it's, oh God, I need you. Oh, I need you. And then when we 
go through seasons of life where all is going well. It can be like, well, God don't really need you so much right now. Uh, today I'm going to tell you about a time that happened to me. In my pastoral world, I was experiencing what people told me was success. And uh, at that exact time, I saw a phrase in the Bible I'm going to show you today that hit me right between my spiritual eyes and set me straight. Now, I should mention that today we, it wasn't quite an opening, all those songs, you know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to dance like Natalie. Anyway, <clears throat> today we begin a summer series where uh, a lot of our pastors are going to be either interviewed or teaching, telling us about a scripture that got them through a tough time, and it'll really help you. Or else it was a turning point in their life. I'm going to tell you about three of mine, one this morning. I'm going to interview pastors Dan and Steph about some of theirs and teach about theirs. Uh, Pastor Jessica is going to tell, her, uh, tell us about one of hers, plus she's going to be interviewing Pastor Stephen about one of his, and Pastor Matt's going to be interviewing himself. So we're, we're going to see how God can speak to you through thoughts and words inspired by this spirit that were written centuries, even millennia ago. Uh, and, 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 and it's not going to be a case, though, oh, I was just desperate. I went to the Bible like a horoscope, needed it to say something to me for that day. No, scriptures, uh, people you're going to hear from that were in the scriptures feeding their souls, and then something stood out, became electric to their souls, and they got zapped. And, and it, they highlighted it. They, they bookmarked it because it was already bookmarked in their hearts. The phrasing I'm going to show you today was bookmarked in my life at a time where success could have made me less. Success could have gotten in the way of me fulfilling God's purposes for the rest of my life. Um, the phrase comes from the life of King David. Now, if people know if you're online... Uh, or in the room here in Toronto, how many of there are two big stories we know about King David, right? What's his big success story? David and? Yeah. What's his big failure story? David and? I mean, if you don't know anything about the, else about David, people know those two stories. But the, the reality is that Goliath story, that success story was not a one-off for David. David was at his spiritual best whenever he faced adversity. Even as a teenager, he's out watching sheep when the prophet Samuel comes and knocks on his dad's door. His dad's name was Jesse and says, God, has sent me to select one of your sons as the future king of Israel. And so Jesse had eight sons. Eight sons. He parades seven of the eight out before the prophet Samuel. And I, I can sort of, I was picturing it this past week because he walked by each one. Oh, sure, it's gonna, this guy's really tall and big. He's, he's got to be the one. And then it's like, you know those game shows where they go, bam. Well, I was picturing this prophet Samuel going through all seven, you know, bam, 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 seven times, bam. He says, do you not have any more sons? Yeah, but uh, one's out babysitting the sheep, but basically he's not king material. So 
playing with a slingshot or playing his guitar. He, 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 don't miss it. Of the eight sons, David was the one that was voted least likely to succeed by his own father. You can hear the pain of that surfacing years later when David, with his guitar, was writing one of those songs and he sang this out. He said, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You can hear the pain. But, but he, he could overcome parental rejection and, and we all know the Goliath story. He knew, how to, he knew how to overcome an intimidating bully in the workplace. <laughs> he, he knew what that was about. He, he, by the way, that slingshot practicing when he was alone sure came in handy, didn't it? <laughs> and then what about that big and long injustice? Four years. I mean, David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the future king of Israel. The problem was King Saul says, not going to happen. Not under my watch. And he hunted David down for four years. David is the rightful future king of Israel, and yet he's exiled outside the borders of Israel, running like a fugitive. I found this. He, he, he said this to, to Saul one time. He said, after whom has the king of Israel, because Saul was the king, after whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing you are just as one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. You're out hunting to kill me. You're out to get me. But this was the very time in David's life where he wrote a lot of those wonderful psalms that you and I get encouraged by when we're going through a, a tough time where people are, are out to get us. You know, the Lord, you are my, you're my strength. You're my deliverer. You're my fortress. It's in you that I trust, O oh Lord. See, David knew how to overcome parental rejection, bullies in the workplace. He knew how to overcome even a, a long, prolonged injustice in his life. And then predictable opposition. When David became king, attacks were the norm. You know, the Philistines, and it wasn't just the Philistines. Matter of fact, it was in springtime when the mosquito bites came out. So did the Amalekites and the Ammonites and the Moabites. If your last name ended with "ite," if you were a Smithite, you better stay clear of David. You know what I'm saying? He just he, he and he would say this. Listen to this: "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men come against me, they will stumble and fall. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident." David knew how to overcome opposition. He. he Victory over his enemies was so routine. Success over them was pretty well taken for granted. David found success over his enemies so predictable that, that in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. I mean, why show up for work when you're this successful? <laughs> David's in a sweet spot of success. 
And if you know the background, David's not only experiencing victory over his enemies, Israel and Judah are united as one nation and he is king over a united nation. That, that was a, an objective of his. Other goals for his life were realized. The sacred Ark of the Covenant had been brought back from enemy territory and now was in, within the borders of a united Israel. He'd established Jerusalem as the capital city of this united country. He has palace. He has wives. Too many. He has wives. He has kids. David's arrived at the pinnacle of success. So here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. When did David trigger the biggest failure of his life? When did David initiate an, an adulterous relationship with another man's wife? When, when, when did David arrange the killing of that innocent husband so he wouldn't discover that his wife was carrying David's baby? When did, when did David engineer a cover-up of this adultery and murder? When was David basically thinking, I'm the king of the castle, I can't be the dirty rascal? Don't miss this now. The biggest failures of David's entire life took place not in times of trouble, not when he was experiencing parental rejection, intimidation of Goliath, four years of relentless injustice via Saul, not during his enemies attacking him. David was successful over all those adversities. His problem was he wasn't successful in succeeding over success. If you ask David <laughs> to look back in his life and say, David, what was the worst time of your life? He'd say, this was it. This is the time of success where I became less. He writes about it years later, Psalm 38. You ever hear about, he says, my soul was sick. My mind was tortured, insomniac, uh, physical pain, I was suffering. It's right at this time, out of God's mercy, he sends his prophet Nathan to David to tell David a story. Do you know what the story's about? Abuse of power. It's like Nathan, sent by God, tells him a story. It's like he's holding up. See, watch and listen to the story. See if you can see how Nathan is holding up a mirror to David. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he has done such a thing and has no pity. Do you notice how crusty David gets? 
when he hears that a rich man takes advantage of a poor man? Why is David's reaction so far off the charts? You ever notice how what bothers us a lot about other people is so often what we struggle with. It's what we don't like in ourselves. Nathan's just holding up a mirror to David's abuse of power. I started pastoring in uh, 1977. Uh, I remember I just had such a heart for God and for reaching people. The first church I went to, to help out uh, as assistant pastor, uh, it was experiencing financial problems. So, you know, they said, Keith, you and the visitation guy, we're going to take you off salary for July and August because the church is not doing that well financially. I thought, well, God's called me. I don't, I don't care. I'm here to serve Jesus. I'm just telling you, just so you know, just that I had that heart just to, I'm here to serve God and reach people. You pay me or not pay me. I'm here to serve the Lord. That was the attitude I started with. Uh, so many youth started coming to that church that um, it ended up being, we, we sort of thought it was a cool thing. There was only two, two, two sections like this and then a little balcony. And, and one whole section, we'd, we'd make all youth. <laughs> Just so many were coming to the Lord and uh, went to pastor in Edmonton. And uh, that church doubled in size every three years. Do you know one summer I did 18 weddings? Because so many were coming to Jesus that uh, were living together. And then they said, you know, we want to follow what God's plan is for relationships. And so I did 18 weddings. You should have seen the babies I dedicated the next couple of years. Anyway, we just finished one building expansion, paid off our debt. We were in multiple services. In a time in Canada where they were non-existent or rare, we were planning another building program. I remember skipping vacations. Um, I jumped to Ottawa. We helped the church overcome a situation where over $600,000 were stolen before we got there. We ended up going into multiple services there and was one of the top 10 missions uh, giving churches in the fellowship that our church is a part of, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, mortgage burning service I did in both of those churches. Matter of fact, have you been up to the history wall yet? I, there's a picture there of me doing some, wearing a dress. Uh, Irish, I'd like to say. It was sort of a Scottish kilt. And Pastor Mulligan and I, if you see it out there by the cafe, we're doing, he, my predecessor promised this church that if the mortgage was paid off, he'd come back and do the Highland Fling. The week before, he says, Keith, we're doing the Highland Fling. <laughs> and uh, so that's why that picture's there. But we paid off the debt, and it was such a healthy church to come to. We went into multiple services and experienced growth here in Toronto. Uh, I remember at our National uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada conference, I, I was introduced as the pastor at that time of the largest uh, church in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. I didn't know that until I was introduced. Uh, one pastor who attended our church worked at National Office, and he said, Keith, where, where are you going to go from here? I thought, I'm happy. Why would I go, go anywhere? Uh, I began to think things I'd never thought of before. Because I was experiencing what everyone else told me was success. 
began to think that some, maybe I had something to do with it. Uh, then came the summer of my, uh, one of my mom's milestone birthdays. I think it was her 65th. I can't remember. She's 92 now. We're a couple of decades ago. We had this big family reunion in British Columbia where a lot of my siblings lived, and I went there. My siblings were so successful, I mean financially. I told some of you a story, totally different context than telling it a different way today, but my sister had a, a cottage right on the Sunshine Coast. She still does. You know, what are the BCites, if you're watching me online, where do you guys get off to call some 3,000 square foot cottage a cabin? <laughs> anyway, uh, my sister had this there and, and we got there by boat. You had to go out in the Sunshine Coast by boat and she had a boat that had a kitchen, bedroom and bathroom in it. Then her husband showed up at this seaside resort with a boat so big you had to get on another boat to get to his boat. And when you got to his boat, it had three boats on it. <laughs> Two queen-size bedrooms, each with their own bathroom. To give a little context, I had just gone from a canoe trip with my boys in the Algonquin Park that summer in a rented canoe. Anyway... I remember thinking, you know, because my brother-in-law is so successful, he, he wasn't serving the Lord. I remember thinking, my little sister? My little sister? <laughs> exactly. other siblings there, so successful, I began to think, you know, what if? You know, I could do this. I could, I could be successful at that. That summer, I went to speak at a camp in Alberta. I'd been there many times before. And at camp one morning, because I, I was at the camp, but I had to come back here to this room in Toronto. And we continue a series that we had begun from the life of King David at that time. And I was studying to get ready to have a teaching for you from the very story that David overreacted to about the abuse of power when I read verses that came next, I'm about to read to you, that hit me between the spiritual eyes like a stone from David's sling. They stunned me. So I pick up right where I left off. David overreacts. This guy should be killed. I always get a kick of it. He says, he should be killed. And then he says, or at least pay four times over. <laughs> anyway, how's a dead guy pay four times over? I don't understand. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. You're the guy in this story. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel. I saved you from the, the power of Saul. I gave your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. This is translated from the Hebrew. It's so interesting when, when translators try and say it in English. Some say, I wanted to give you even more, David. This translator 
much, much more. Two things I never saw before. This was such a familiar story to me. But I could hear the pain in God's heart. Can you hear it? David, was it not I who chose you? Remember your brothers? You're out babysitting sheep. David, I saw you when you were alone with your guitar and slingshot. I chose you. I anointed you. I, I'm the one that allowed you to succeed, Saul. I gave you the united kingdoms of Israel and Judah. You can just hear the pain in this parent God's heart. And he says, if that were not enough, David, I would have given you much, much more. I would have given you even more. That was the part that stunned me. God wanted to give David much. What was the more? What do you think the more was that God would have given David? What was David's big dream? To build a temple. Build a temple for God. Maybe more than his failure with Absalom would have happened in his family. Maybe he would have left a better family legacy. Maybe he would have been wrote second edition of the Psalms. Maybe there'd be another book in our Bible. What is the more that God wanted to do? The problem was that David handled adversity so well, but he did not do so well with handling success. That was a revelation for me. I remember, I remember being at Alberta Beach Camp and falling down on my knees at this, I don't often pray on my knees, but I just, just fell on my knees at this chair and I just, I just began to, I was just rebuked. I was corrected. And I just began to say, sorry, Lord, for thinking that success had so much to do with me. Lord, I humble myself because I want to do all the more that you want to do in my life. And I learned three lessons that I share with you, whether you're online or in this room in Toronto today, to share with you Take with you these truths into your times of success. Here's the first one. Keep your armor on even when you don't see a battle. When kings normally go to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem, which means he took his armor off. David assumed God will give us success. I don't even need to show up. I don't need to put my armor on. I, listen, listen, very telling for a leader now. I don't need to do what I'm asking everybody else to do. It's like when the Apostle Paul warned Christians in Corinth, he said, therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It's exactly what David did. I mean, he could, he could, he could if the battle was obvious, you know, if there was a giant... <laughs> if it was parental rejection, if it was opposition, David, David, David came dressed for it. But when the enemy came dressed up in entitlement and lust, <laughs> David wasn't ready. He didn't have his armor on. Why did the apostle Peter warn the followers of Jesus? He said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion Looking for someone to devour? And look at this, look at this opportunistic vulture. 
looking for someone who's got their guard down. Someone who's going through a tough time, a weak time, maybe a successful time, and they left their armor off. That's when he shows up. Listen, Canada and the United States, we don't say a lot about this around here, and if you're not in the church world, maybe you don't know, but we've seen a lot of gifted church leaders trade in their armor for a little sinful peace and quiet. It's just it's some of these people I know, I'm related to some, I, I love them. They're, so, they're more, way more gifted than I am. God, there'd be so much more you could do. The Apostle Paul says, even on days where it all seems successful, he says, keep your armor on. He says, therefore, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. You'll be ready. You'll be ready. I'm so thankful for our lead pastor, Jonathan Smith, and in his spiritual wisdom of taking these weeks of sabbatical that he's on right now, and he's doing well, and it's going well. Just finished a course, uh, a Bible study. And uh, he's, I'm just so pleased that he's taking this time when things are going relatively well. He's not waiting until he burns out. It's in the midst of good days at the church he's replenishing himself for the next chapter, and it's going to be an exciting one. David thought you only wore your spiritual armor when you see an obvious battle in front of you. That's why he wrote. He basically says it. He says in the psalm, Psalm 86, in the day of trouble, I will call upon the Lord. In the day where there's no trouble, not so much. David's spiritual health, get this, David's spiritual health was most at risk when he was not facing adversity, when he was successful. How many, how many uh, online, wherever you're watching from, or in this room, how many things are going pretty good in your life right now? You've got challenges, we all have problems, we all have issues, but things are going, you've got some successes right now. You know, this is an important time for you to be turning to the Lord. And pray, not just when there's some big problem, but, but you know what God will do? You pray now when things are going relatively smooth, God's going to get you ready. <laughs> He's going to get you ready. So when the day of evil comes, you're going to have your armor on. You're going to be ready for what you face. So keep your armor on even when you don't see a battle. Amen? Second, give credit to God for your success. God says to David, I anointed you. Have you forgotten? I saved you. I gave you. What you have, I gave you. David, the successes you've experienced ever since a little boy have come from my hand. How many know it's dangerous? It's dangerous for you and me when we start congratulating ourselves on our success. It's a dangerous day when we don't give credit where credit is due because how many know all that we have or ever hope to be, we owe it all to him. Listen to James. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father. Oh, let's give credit where credit is due. Right on? And then third, get ready for God to do more. Get ready for God to do more. David? I wanted to do so much, much more. 
Why didn't God do more? Because David got in the way. <laughs> David got in the way of the more that God wanted to do. Listen, listen, here's an application for every one of us. Never forget this. You and I can miss the more because of the way we handle the already haves. I remember a turning point in my life when I read these words about God wanting to do more, but David not being in a place spiritually where he could handle more. And he had the armor off and he wasn't recognizing success from God. And I remember that time and I just began to put my armor on and, and humble myself and give more praise to God. I, I said no to what looked like an even better uh, career opportunity. As people look at success in that fall, I remember coming back to the church and sharing the vision of satellite churches where we saw 400 unchurched people over the next number of years start following Jesus and sharing the vision of Saturday night gathering. And that fall, I wrote it down, I'd forgotten 69 people that fall were baptized in water as they became followers of Jesus. That was the time I called Pastor Jonathan in Nova Scotia to join our staff and and later we began discussing plans for expanding for the next generation and God has been good and not to mention that on the family front, our sons continue to, through the youth group and young adults and, and they found their wives here. They're serving Jesus in the city of Toronto. I'm so thankful for that turning point. I felt as I prayed, maybe it's just me and revisiting it, it became very emotional, but I don't know who I'm talking to today that you're in a time of success and you're a bit vulnerable right now. Listen, I learned from the life of David what to do when you experience success by what David did not, did not do. Keep your armor on. Keep your armor on even when you don't see a battle. Give credit to God for every success. And listen to me, get ready for God to do more. Pastor Jonathan reminded me recently of a phrase and I thought, I'd forgotten all about it. And you know what? You'll understand how it came right out of this time. Do you remember years ago, if you're around, I used to say, turn your arrival points into launching pads. Do you see it now? Turn your successes into more success. This turning point lesson in David's life about God wanting to do more is where that came from. Oh, dear one, listen to me. In your successes, God wants to do more. Listen to what he says through the prophet Jeremiah. He says this to us. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You say, what about the New Testament? Okay, Ephesians says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So let's end the gathering this way. We're going to sing a song that says, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And some of you that are joining us, this gathering online, you're going through some giant <laughs> intimidation or health problems or issues right now. And you're saying, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. This song's for you too. But I'm going to invite people online and, and, and with me here. This can be unusual. But I'm going to invite people for whom things are going very well. You've got some successes. 
you're experiencing right now, I, I want to invite you to, to put on your armor, even though you don't see a battle. <laughs> to humble yourself and give God the praise for the good that's happened in your life. And sing this song, God, I'm, I'm in successful time right now and I need you. Oh, I need you. Do you see it? Every hour, not just the hour of adversity, the hour of success, I need you. I need you. Lord, I come, I confess. In my success, I don't want to become less. I want to go for all the more that you have for me in my life. Right on? God, I want the more. Stand with me. Stand with me. When we come to this chorus, you know, you say, well, I don't need, you know, I've got not this big crisis right now. You, you, you may have a, something you're going through. You say, God, I need you. His eyes are on you. He sees you. You pray, he's at work. But I invite you for those for whom there's some success and you, you, you the Spirit's already been speaking to your heart about what it is in your own life. When we come to that course, it says, I need you. Just humble yourself. Bring that success to the Lord. Keep your successes safe by walking in humility. And say, Lord, I, I need you. Oh, I need you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.